So, seven games into the conference finals, and we finally don't have a game where it's left more than 10 points. I am Anika Mad. Welcome to the Bench Warmer. I took a little bit of a break because I had to do something with school, finals, and whatnot, but I am back here watching these games intently, and I have to say, the Cavaliers. It doesn't really surprise me that they won at home. <laughs> yeah, I know. You guys thought I was going to be like, oh, wow, the Cavaliers, they're actually going to come back and win the finals. But no. Next two games are at home in Boston, and Boston's crowd is hugely vicious. Like LeBron just said in his uh, post-game interview, that if you don't bleed green, they don't have love for you. And that's a fact. That is a real fact. Now, I expect the Cavaliers to actually pull up a fight like they did today. But Boston, they need to get it together. I mean, I'm not really too worried about them, mainly because, like I said, the next few games are at home. So, we'll see how uh, game uh, five goes. You know, it's 2-2 tied series, unlike the other series. But, you know, I'll get into that in a moment. But LeBron James has tied with Allen Iverson for the most... 40-point playoff games. Now, it's kind of wild to think about because AI was... He he had a good run, but he, he was not... He did not have that longevity that LeBron has. And that LeBron had just tied with AI's record shows how great AI was back in the day. But without further ado, I'm just going to go through some stats. Uh, before I even do that, Tristan Thompson and Kyle Korver actually came up huge defensively. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really care much about Tristan Thompson, you know, everyone knows he's cheated on his girlfriend and whatnot, there's like videos, and like, but right now he's playing his contract, but if he could just play like this like consistently all throughout the year, he, he's definitely worth his max, you know, but regardless, he played very well defensively, he came up clutch with like a lot of offensive rebounds, and lot of blocks as well. Tristan was putting up some good numbers, you know. Uh, LeBron had seven turnovers. He could have cut that down easily, but, you know, what are you going to do? Like, this Cavs team... Oh, excuse me. Just had a smoothie. This Cavs team is a little bit, I guess, discombobulated in terms of, like, the consistency within the roster. It's just, like, a lot of veterans playing and no one else that they actually got as a trade asset. One thing to note, though, that Larry Nance Jr. did play. Um, he did not have a particularly um, decent stat line. You know, he was plus seven on the court, which is pretty cool, I guess. Um, three rebounds, two were offensive, an assist, a block, two steals, and seven points. I really thought he would be more of an impact player coming in from the... Uh, oh, my Lord. Uh, coming in from the Lakers, but, you know, what, what do I know? But, uh, let's see, let's see, what else? Kyle Korver had, uh, what, 13 points? He had 14 points, and Kyle Korver was, like, switching in addition. He got hot in the middle of the second quarter. That's what, like, kept the Cavs going, you know? The three-point shot is just so deadly. Him and J.J. Redick are the three-point specialists, and they're going to be great shooting coaches one day if they decide to pursue it. Personally, like, I would love to have either of them as, like, a shooting coach one day, but, you know, what else, what else can I really say? Uh, George Hill is a great veteran presence, you know, um, 
It was plus 11 on the court, uh, 13 points with zero turnovers, two steals, a block, and four assists with four rebounds. That's that's what I like to see, a stat filler. Um, he, he was everywhere, George Hill, you know. When, like, when you look at, like, some decent, like, switches and plays the Cavs did, I, you gotta give credit to George Hill for really commanding the whole, I guess, offense and defense. LeBron can't do it himself, and you could see, clearly tell that George Hill's, like, the second in command, if that makes sense, uh, you know, what else... What else can I, how can I describe it as? You can see that George Hill's veteran presence really impacts everyone's intensity on the court, which is fantastic for the Cavs, to say the least. But, yeah, kudos, that's a great pickup for the Cavs. I, I will say that. He was a great pickup. I wasn't sure, but, you know, he, he's a pretty great pickup, and he's already in the starting lineup in the playoffs. Like I said, Tyler's opting to play more veteran players versus all the other assets that they got. Like, oh, they have Kendrick Perkins. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> Remember Kendrick Perkins, the Oklahoma City Thunder trade? That's pretty funny. But, you know, Rodney Hood is still not playing. No one knows what's going on with him. It could be mental or confidence issues and whatnot. I hope he feels better, but what, like, I don't know. Jordan Clarkson played four minutes, had zero impact on the game. Chetty Osmond was in garbage time for like a few seconds, but that's about it. Everyone cheered on him because he's a rookie. Um, O'Carroll White, he's nowhere, nowhere anywhere there. Jose Calderon didn't even play, but overall, Cavs, they played great defensively. That's what like kept them in the game because the Celtics are always like dreaming behind like seven, eight, nine, ten points. They weren't they were not lagging that much aside from the first quarter. You know, first quarter it was like a fifteen point lead by the Cavs. And you could tell that Brad Stevens had to change it up. So he did his usual Brad Stevens things, calls timeout, and they they started getting, started being more aggressive on defense, but the problem is that is that I have to say, why the hell does Marcus Smart always have to complain after every single play? I understand you're losing, bro, but you cannot complain at every single play. Now, it it ruins his credibility in terms of a player if you keep like flopping, quote unquote, and. If you complain a lot towards the ref, the refs are not going to buy it. They're not going to bite it, you know? Yes, there were some questionable calls, I will say that. But overall, it could have been way worse. And I just did not like Marcus Smart's complaining. He, he was a negative He was a negative eight asset. No one in the Celtics really shot well today from the three-point line. And they couldn't even get a lot of layups on because of the Cavs' suffocating defense. A lot of that is attributed to, like I said, Tristan Thompson and Kyle Corver, surprisingly. Uh, George Hill was also great on defense as well. LeBron's LeBron. Carl, um, wow, I was about to say Carlton Towns. Oh, sorry. He, he's also in my mind, too, for like other reasons. But I'll get to that in a moment. But Kevin Love, he, he, I thought he wouldn't have more of an impact, but I guess he's just not, like, not uh what's the word he's not in the right mindset 
I would say, but, you know, oh, wait, he actually nearly had a double-double, nearly 10 rebounds, so that, that's freaking amazing, and 9 points with 6 turnovers, Kevin, alright, I mean, you gotta work on that, but, you know, they won this game, uh, Boston really responded from game 3, they increased uh, their defensive intensity, and Worked well with their switches. Oh, there was this one play where it was nearly botched, and um, you could see Terry Rozier get, got switched on by LeBron, and then next you know you see Al Horford coming back, telling Rozier to just tap him, and Rozier just got the message. He runs back to cover Kyle Culver, who's already in corner three, waiting for his uh, pass. He gets a pass. Rozier barely makes it. He slips, and then Culver misses it, LeBron nearly gets a rebound. He passes it to someone in the uh, middle of the lane. And basically, Rozier is able to get up as quick as he can and basically split the defense and actually get that steal. That was a fantastic recovery play. I saw that. And I was like, wow, Terry Rozier is really putting in his effort. I really like Terry Rozier, and I'm pretty sure that if the Celtics do not resign him, that someone else will, and they will give him a max contract. I believe he could be an all-star, like, without being on Brad Stevens' system, but I would not be surprised if he regressed. Um, for his stats, really, it's, uh, ooh, this is not that great of a system, but, ah, here it is. He played 37 minutes, not bad. 16 points, uh, zero turnovers, uh, three steals. Like I said, his like he was really good. 11 assists, so he had a double double, and six rebounds. He could have had triple double, four more rebounds. But um, one thing I will talk about is that Jalen Brown, uh, aside from Terry Rozier, one of their woes, aside from uh, the three point perimeter shooting. Oh wow, that, that made no sense, but was Jalen Brown's missed opportunities. I just, I don't know. He seemed off today. He seemed pretty off. And I can't, he missed like a good couple dunks. And like, I I would assume that they were like clean blocks because, you know, they showed the replay and it did seem like they were clean. But Jalen Brown, he just, he was frustrated. You could tell. At the end of the game, he dunked it, even though there was like 14 seconds left. You can tell the man was mad. Nonetheless, he's the uh, highest scorer on the team. 21 points, uh, two steals, two assists, five rebounds. You know, he's a plus 10. He was a negative 10 on the court because he missed a lot of his shots. He was uh, 8 for 20 uh, field goal range, and he played 38 minutes. Uh, he missed a lot of his shots. And a lot of it is due to the Cavs suffocating defense. A lot of it is because, you know, it's his sophomore year, I would say. But I, like, I don't believe that really matters as much. Al Horford is their anchor, I would say, in terms of, like, their leadership. Um, Al was just great. <laughs> but he just couldn't really get together with this, like, game. He shot for 5 for 13 field goal range. Played 40 minutes, 5 for 13. You can't do that to us, Al. I'm not a Celtics fan, but 
you know, the NBA deserves better. Um, 15 points, a uh, block, a steal, an assist, seven rebounds. Uh, he shot for one for three on the three-point line. Al, you got to step it up, but, you know, you did what you could, I feel like. They, no one had a good shooting night. No one. There was, like, no positive shooting uh, field goal percentage in the Celtics. Like, Terry, Terry Rozier went for 6 for 15. That's pretty bad. And 3 for 9 on the three-point range. I'm not expecting Steph Curry numbers, but, man, you guys got to, like, put it together. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, Jason Tatum was, he struggled. You could really tell Jason Tatum struggled. Now, I wouldn't say it's because he hit, like, he, it's because he's a rookie. Um, I would say it's because he's just, it's not because he's a rookie, it's just the fact that he's going against veteran players. And, um, I feel as though that, I mean, he shot for 5 for 13 this uh, game, you know, and he was uh, 0 for 1 on 3-point line. He doesn't really take that many 3-pointers this game, but 17 points, 2 turnovers, an assist, and a rebound. He he wasn't there, you know, he, he just wasn't there, and I can't really say it's from... Him being a rookie, but I will say it's because he's going against more experienced players. Uh, I really hope he bounces back. You know, he's one of my, I guess, favorite rookies. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to hate him next year because of how good the Celtics are now. But he needs to step it up. It seems like the Cavs defense really neutralized him. And who who was he on? Who was, who was guarding Jason Tatum? Was it George Hill? I, I think it was George Hill. So I think putting George Hill on uh, Jason Tatum kind of really like neutralized his own like offensive threat. Combine that, I guess, with some rookie woes or inexperienced woes. To make to be clear, I, he just did not have a game. Marcus Morris, uh, he he had, he shot. He didn't. He played for twenty four minutes. Uh, four for eight. Uh, field goal range, so it's not bad. It's 50-50, but 10 points, uh, 2 turnovers. There's a lot of turnovers with Celtics, uh, but he wasn't really much of an impact player at all. It just seemed like the Celtics weren't in their right gear, and I would attribute that mainly because it's the Cavs' home court. And, yeah, I would say it's just home court advantage, you know? You're highly likely, unless you're like the Warriors, to play better on the home court. It's it's kind of a fact. Marcus Smart, like I said, he complained on every single call. Every single call. And the fact that it kind of got grating to me because it's like, I understand, man. You're getting hit and everything, or if you're flopping, you're flopping. But you can't do it every single play, otherwise you get discredited by the refs. They wouldn't, like, they would not, they wouldn't bite. And I, I give credit to the refs, because Tony Brothers was supposed to be refing today, and he's one of the most notorious refs in terms of, like, being quote-unquote dirty. So, uh, yeah, Marcus, you got to tone it down. You were not helping your team just complain every single call. You had five turnovers with eight points, 
five assists and five rebounds. And you, you, you didn't shoot much, but you're not there for your shooting. So you got to really tone it down. Celtics, they need to get locked in. And I believe in the upcoming game, they will, you know. But I will say this. The Cavs, they may have won two of their home games. It's to be expected. These next two games are going to be really rough for them. Mainly because it's the Celtics' home court. Brad seems going to have a little more time to prepare. Huh? Yeah, no, not really. Scratch that. It's mainly because they're in home court. And home court gives you a pretty good advantage. And LeBron can't keep putting up 40 points just to get this team to win. Who won by, like, what, 12 today? It's just... No. It's... If he has to put 40 points, you know, this happened in the Indiana series. If he has to put 40 points throughout the entire playoffs, that's that's not a good look on anyone on anyone on the Cavs. Not a good look at all. <clears throat> yeah, it makes me worried because the Cavs are just next two games are at home in Boston, and you know Brad Stevens and Co are gonna bring it. Hope LeBron's ready for that, but. It's going to be a rough ride. Um, But yeah, that was the Cavs and Warriors game. You know, there wasn't really that many, I guess, surprises. Um, I kind of expected this outcome. And the lineup did not change more. They did play Larry Nance Jr. a little bit more for, I guess, more defensive reliability. And I guess a little bit more offensive versatility. But I digress. He wasn't. He did not play that much. But Tyloo did play him, so... Kudos to him. He's not playing anyone else, really, in terms of, like, the assets they got. So, what are you really going to do? Uh, but, yeah, the Cavs' ten- tenacious defense really hurt the Celtics. And there was that one point where, like, Aaron Baines, he got a rebound, and he had no idea what to do. He seems like he forgot to play basketball. He forgot to put the ball in the hoop. He was just standing there in the paint. He goes, and then he realizes, oh, wait, I have the ball. I got the offensive rebound. And you see, like, four black jerseys just covering him. And he, then LeBron just fouls him. It's just, it's just that, that may actually made me laugh. You know, Aaron Baines, he's always known for a guy that's always going in for a contested layup or dunk and always gets dunked on in these highlight reels. But you have to give credit where credit is due. He's playing hard for his team. He, he reminds me of Kelly Olenek. From last year's Celtics, who is now on the Miami Heat, and he's playing very, very well. He's he's a really he's he's a glue guy, I would say. You know, he's he's a guy that everyone like relies on in terms of like uh, rim protection, and I feel like he's undervalued. You know, he's very undervalued. I really do like Aaron Baines. He's undervalued. But um, that was a funny moment in my uh, experience watching it. Speaking of which, the fact that Joel Embiid, the man who got ousted by the Celtics, who everyone claimed that the 76ers were going to just steamroll into the conference finals or even the NBA finals because of the great play by Ben Simmons and uh, Dario Saric and Joel Embiid and... Robert Covington throughout the entire regular season. Hell, even Marco Phelps who only played like 10 games apparently beat Lonzo Ball's record of having the youngest triple-double. 
I mean, a like, bro, you're you're out of the playoffs. There's no reason why you should be tweeting that Aaron Baines is just there to get dunked on. You got lit up by Aaron Baines, who shot for seven for like fifteen off the three point line. Off the three point line, a center that could shoot threes. There's only oh so many people that could really do that. And this guy who you're clowning on Twitter is still in the, free, in the playoffs, and you're clowning on him, man. I, I don't like. I never really liked Embiid. I always thought he was arrogant, but this, this is this is just crap. This is just horrible. It's, it's disgusting a little bit. I would say, it's just in bad taste. I will say. No, Embiid, you you just stay stay in your hospital bed and just. Relax, because, you know, you're out of the playoffs because your team didn't bring it. So, hopefully you guys can actually match up again and maybe you could talk, talk some trash then. But now you just sit down, you know, be humble. Man, that he got me a little heated because he just clowned on Aaron Baines like that. Nah. Embiid, you a clown. You a straight up clown. Um, but yeah, that was all about the Boston Celtics game. I personally, actually, a lot of people do complain about this, is that TNT should host it more so than uh, NBA, or who hosted it today? ESPN? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, inside the NBA crew is so much better than whatever they have on the ESPN. There's, ESPN broadcasts are so boring. TNT crew is just really more lively. Like you, I love hearing Reggie. I love hearing Kenny the Jet. I love hearing Shaq and Charles. Their entire banter—it's it's amazing. But you know, what are you gonna do? Broadcasting rights, right? Money. <laughs> but um, is there anything else? Oh wait, actually, so. I'm reading right here is that Rodney Hood has played zero minutes. I mean, I knew that already. But since, but in Tai Lu, if anyone remembers after a game two loss, the reporter asked him, why do you keep Rodney Hood in the uh, lineup if he doesn't play? And Tai Lu says, I'm going to keep playing him. He has played zero minutes since then. It's been two games. Wow, Tai Lu, way to backpedal. Good job, bro. I don't know what to do about Rodney Hood. He was one of better players on the Utah Jazz, but clearly he didn't want to be there, forced his way out, and now he's on a championship contender who realistically wouldn't win a championship at all, and he's not playing, and a lot of Jazz fans have said that there used to be a bucket for, uh, for, I was going to say Rudy Gobert, my fault, for Rodney Hood, and apparently he would throw up in that bucket, and he would get so anxious and nervous, and there's like a lot of mental things that are going on with him. I hope he feels better, but man, Tyler, you can't keep him in the rotation if like he refuses to play. He's played zero minutes since you made that quote. You gotta actually like, you gotta actually not even bench him, but just tell him straight up, you're not gonna be on the, you're not gonna be on the lineup. And I think that's more of Tyler's fault than Rodney Hood's ever like. If it's his fault. So, there's that. Um, what else? What else? Um, the Warriors and Rockets game. Yeah, I forgot to do an episode on that. So, 
really the reason why I haven't done an episode on it, and I guess I'll do it right now. The war, the wars are just so good. I can't. And yes, um, it's been reported that Iggy uh, Andre Iguodala, one of uh, the one of their uh, five of the Hampton Five, who by the way, Draymond Green's actually trying to capitalize on, but he didn't even come up with it. And he's gonna call it the Hampton. It's not even plural. It sounds so much better than. than it sounds better plural than non-plural. Hampton Five. What is that? Like some type of like weird hotel? Oh yeah, I'm staying at the Hampton Five, guys. Yeah, I just made my reservation at the Hampton Five. Nah, calls the Hampton Five. Bro, come on. You don't say Ocean Eleven. You don't say that. You say Oceans Eleven. Like, come on, come on. But uh. The Hamptons Five. I'm not. I'm not going with the Hampton Five. The Hamptons Five. Uh, it consists of Clay, Draymond, Iggy, uh, Steph, and Katie. You know that's their depth lineup. And Iggy's going to be out of Game Four because of knee soreness or a contusion, I believe so. And really, that's going to actually help them because Iggy was pretty great defensively. In uh, game three, you know, it helped the Warriors take that lead. Of course, they were at home, but the Rockets could not keep up. It was a blowout. It was, I, I completely forgot the score, but it was just horrible of how bad they got beat. And I will attribute that um, the reason why the Rockets got beat. Oh, okay, all right. So I just pulled up the score, and I'm going to finish what I'm sit- talking about right then, but it was 85 to 126, how's a first, dude, I mean, at least they won't get, like, swept, like, the Raptors and Trailblazers, but, man, you get a gentleman sweep, I'm gonna be so disappointed on the Raptors, I mean, next game is on Houston, but the Warriors already took one game from them, so I have no idea how they're gonna handle the next game, so, it's, it's very scary, that the Rockets just got trashed on. It's like as if, it's like as if, uh, to put it into comic book terms, it's like Thanos getting all the Infinity Stones and just wrecking everyone. It's like Darkseid going to the Justice League headquarters and, f- and killing everyone. Really, it's it's like that. It's like a, it's like the Juggernaut just beats the hell out of like Deadpool or Wolverine. But I digress. Uh, so, I'm looking at stats right now, I know it's, it's, uh, retroactively looking at the game, but the Rockets' defense was nowhere, it was, it was non-existent throughout the entire game, and I just actually kind of started, like, not really watching it because of how bad the Rockets were playing. The Warriors, their offense was going, Steph got going in, like, what, late third early fourth quarter so we could have like 35 points which is great but like the first like three the first two and a half quarters Steph was like non-existent it was mainly KD and KD really is nigh unguardable because of his length um really the Rockets just played like dog crap what else can I really say their def- defense was just 
not there. You could see that James Harden would get blown by, like, KD and uh, some in clay. Uh, CP3 was just, he had a lot of turnovers, I think. Um, I don't know if this puts up his turnover stats, but... No, it was not good at all, and it kind of really just hurt a lot. Just seeing this Rockets team get demolished, and not because of like, not because of the fact that you know these Rockets can actually be better, but the fact that the Warriors are just so good and the Rockets didn't even seem to like try. I get everyone has like dry days, and like not everyone could actually like contribute when they're having their off games of man what is going on Steve Perry isn't that great of a coach he has a whole all-star team if anyone actually remembers when um Andre Goodall came to Golden State Warriors he was supposed to be the man but then Steve Kerr actually convinced him to be the sixth man and it took a lot of convincing and he's an all-star he was an all-star back then he was one of the best stars then and you know, it's that lineup, the Hamptons five. It's like crazy the fact that he was. He's like. It's crazy how the Warriors itself, they're just that great. That they could get Steph going at the late third to end the end of the fourth. He scores 35. And now the Rockets are in trouble because they lost by a good amount. Uh, I have the stats just pulled up right here. Like I said, just retroactively looking at it, but their defense was shit. Um, I want to look at their turnover numbers. Ooh, Draymond Green had four turnovers. That's not that bad, to be honest. He's like the anchor of that whole team. He's like their glue guy. He's their heart, their glue guy. But James Harden only had 20 points. He had four turnovers, though. Oh, wait, let, let, let me look at this. Well, one, two, three. Three people had two turnovers each, and that was Trevor Reza, PJ Tucker, CP3 himself. Each had two turnovers each. James had four. Turnovers are killing everyone. Oh, my God. Eric Gordon had three in what he played 31 minutes. Yeah, that's not a good look. He was a negative 33. On the court. Oh my lord. Um, Gerald Green had one. Luke Mamute had one. Joe Johnson had two. Ryan Anderson had one. And Ryan Anderson only played like four minutes. Same thing with Tariq Black. Who played four minutes. And they each got one turnover each. Joe Johnson had two in seven minutes. Man. I don't know about... They gotta really come back hard and put like the acceleration onto the pedal. That's all I can really say. This this whole, you know. <sighs> Man, the Rockets have just been disappointing. You know, they're like they're like I think they're the last team that I'm really rooting for. You know, my original picks for like this whole playoffs. Realistically, I knew the Warriors are probably going to curb stomp everyone, but I really had the Raptors. I really had the Rockets. I kind of was hoping for the Jazz. Same thing with the Pacers. And, um, you know, Rockets, I don't know if I said that already, but it's clearly there. And 
I only jumped on the Celtics bandwagon after they beat the 76ers. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But if it's Cavs and Warriors again, I'm not going to be happy. I feel like, I mean, the ratings are going to be high, of course. But the Warriors are going to be dominant for a good time. For a good long time. And a lot of people will say that calorie, I mean, the cap salary is what's going to help save the NBA's parity. No, Clay Thompson's up for $50 million. And you want to know what he said? He's going to take a team-friendly deal. Because he loves where he's at. He loves playing with his teammates. He loves playing in that state. You know? he's he's He already came from a wealthy family because of his father. His father was a former NBA player. So, you know, he's already been there with the wealth. And he already made his own money. And he has a lot of money with that Alta... Um, shoe deal in China so Clay's set so he's not going to take a pay cut um Katie uh, he's going to stay there guaranteed or he reunites in OKC like a LeBron move but I, w- I would not expect that out of him I don't even know what they would do but Katie's definitely going to stay but realistically uh Draymond's probably going to stay as well because I think they're all they don't have an ego None of them have an ego. The only ego they have is to play to win. That's that's great. Drafting all these guys and having their bird rights and like go, kudos to Golden State though. Kudos, kudos to them. I know it's been said a hundred thousand times, but kudos to them for drafting all these guys, building them up, and getting them to the level where they could get the second best player. After being a 73 win team and just dominating for like five more years and they have a dynasty. Oh, uh, we'll say this in the game. This just came into my head, but Jordan Bell putting him into the lineup of the uh, off the bench. It was a great move. Uh, he Steve uh, Steve Kerr probably noticed that um, what's about David West was just not cutting it. Because he's being really slow, like I said in the previous episode. And, you know, putting Jordan Bell, he gave them a little bit more liftoff. He played like nine minutes, and he was a plus 10, on, I mean, a plus 12 on the court. Kevon Looney's, he really, he's, he's like a defensive KD. His length really enables him to, you know, make his shots and whatnot, but he's not there yet, skill level. My man, Sean Livingston, I, I hate the Warriors, but I love Sean, and. When he did that dunk on Harden, oof, I, it, 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 that was so clean. That was so clean. I love Sean. He's always a smart player. He's a, a ferocious player, and I'm happy for him. I just hate the Warriors. So, my man Sean Livingston right there. Nick Young, you know, he hit a one for three at the three-point line, and he's, he's just a spot-up shooter, really, and, you know, He's just there for the ride, if I'm being honest with you. He's just there for the ride. The Warriors bench does not seem that great on paper, but it's really just the starters that really put them up ahead against everyone else. Uh, Draymond had 19 rebounds. Jesus, man. Remember when Draymond had a triple-double? Or was it a quadruple-double? Something like that, without having any points. That, that was insane. That's how you know the Warriors got everyone else beat when their 
defensive anchor could put up a triple-double without having any points at all. That means assists, rebounds, and um, blocks. That's that's a pretty crazy stat line. Um, Clay had 13 points. He wasn't really there. Like I said, it was mainly KD the entire game and until they got Steph going because they kept on giving Steph looks, whatever it was, be it doing a pin down screen, be it, you know, just moving the ball just for Steph to get a good look. And they got him going. They got him going and he, from the three-point line, he shot for five for 12, uh, 13 to 23 field goal percentage and played 34 minutes. Steph is Steph. 35 points. Easy as that. But other than that, Clay hasn't really been there at all. And, uh, I guess he was great defensively, I will say that. He was great defensively. Clay's so good at defense. He's the premier 3 and D player. So, what else can I really say? I know I've been saying this for a long time, but Clay is the premier 3 and D player. But, yeah, you know, I could go on about, you know, the Golden State Warriors, but everyone knows how good they are. I'm just worried about the Rockets because they got blown out. And if we keep watching blowouts, you know, this tonight's game against the Cavs and Celtics was not a blowout. But it does not, not, it doesn't make the NBA fun. You know, NBA was great. Like, I would say in the first round, the first round was fantastic. Like, the fact that LeBron could have almost got knocked out if the Pacers didn't beat him. You know? That was very interesting. The East is so much more interesting than the West. The West is kind of like, you know, it's predictable. But the East is a lot more fun than I genuinely ever thought. So, yeah. It's anyone's game in the East, but the West, I'm very shaky on because of how... Harden and CP3 have been playing. They just take bad shots. They take contested looks. They did not move the ball at all. Houston, they reverted back to the game themselves, actually. And they just did not move their ball well. And they did not have any movement. And it just seemed stagnant. And everyone was taking turns in terms of shots. It's it's not reliable at all. It really isn't. And the role players didn't show up at all. Lupa Mute, who they brought in this season he's he's done horrible if I can put up his uh playoff stats right now it's it's just crap I would thought I would think he'd be more of an impact player but I guess not you know um he's like one of those players where it's like you would think he'd be so much better but I guess you know he's not there not there at all but um what can I really say that was the Houston Rockets and Golden State Warriors game the role players didn't show up PJ Tucker was just horrible actually and (sighs) James Harden and CP3 really have to bring it up to game 4 so we'll see where that goes but yeah you know Sorry this episode was so long, but it was just a lot of things to cover since I missed, like, a couple of days. But, yeah, you know, that was Game 4 of the Celtics and Cavs series and Game 3 of the Golden State and Rockets series. So, 
I would go more into like Quarantine Town situation, but I want to let that fizzle a little bit more. And I'm still working on this Russell Westbrook piece. I, I'm procrastinating a little bit, but I'll make sure I'll I'll get it done. So I'll be on the lookout for that, and hopefully it'll be up as like a blog post. You know, I'm putting up some charts and whatnot. But yeah, um, you know, I'll go into draft lottery next. That's that's one of my main things. I'm gonna view every prospect as is and see what team could take who like the Knicks the Knicks really do have potential to move up to four if the Grizzlies are really about that trade rumor of moving down to whatever pick they want and trading their fourth pick because they were not happy with the fourth pick because the Atlanta Hawks and Kings moved up so yeah um what should we call it? I'll cover that next episode, I think. So, yeah. This is an Man, part of the bench warm-up post, and I'll keep you guys posted on you know, whatever's next. Thank you for listening. Anyone that supports me, thank you. Thank you very much. And um, I'll see you guys next episode. Adios.